0: Philip Bliss was born in Pennsylvania in 1838. He went to Chicago. He went to as a musician to work for a Sunday school mission, and he composed many hymns. This is one of them. His life story ended when he was in a fatal accident, of which he first escaped, but he died when he went back in to see of the life of his wife. What an amazing parallel to the one that we're trusting in today. Jesus gave his life for us. He let it all down. And we look to the one we sing about, man of sorrows, what a name. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. And we're continuing today with the message on Saved to the Uttermost, Hebrews chapter 7. And from the guttermost to the uttermost. This is a, a very common uh, evangelical gospel statement that Jesus saves from the very depths and the gutters of sin to the uttermost height of glory. This is our gospel that was purchased by the blood of Jesus— On the cross of Calvary. We take delight today to share the message of the gospel with you, and I trust that you'll stay tuned right to the end today. We're continuing with our excerpt on euthanasia, the culture of death in Canada. This is really very fearful when you begin to think about the sudden introduction under the Liberal government in this country that uh, we have gone from a country that protects life now to a culture that has cheapened life. Uh, And surely it is a part of the multiple deaths that we have in our streets, in our cities, and across this country. Hundreds and hundreds of people every month who are dying due to drugs, alcohol, taking life at their own hand. And then, of course, the thing that is very fearful The government stepping in, providing medical services to end life. And knowing when government agents have the tendency to beat the system, we tremble. So stay tuned as we let the Bible speak today. And Jesus is not just risen out of the grave, he's ascended and he is in glory at the right hand of God. Now, the New Testament scriptures are absolutely clear on that fact. His heavenly work has begun at the Father's right hand, and he is untouchable, untouchable. He bears our names in his hands. That makes us visible, and we are given the picture because Jesus has a real body in heaven. Other things in heaven, uh, they are invisible, many of them, Angels, our spirits, have no bodies. They are invisible. God, the Father, has no body. God, the Spirit, has no body. But Jesus has a body. He has a body like our bodies. And Isaiah tells us that our names are engraved in the palms of his hands. We can take that literally. We can take that when he's pleading with the Father, he holds out our needs and our interests before God. And he's untouchable, totally secure, and focused in his work to intercede. Down here in this world, we become worry warts because we are touched by many things. Famines, wars, rumors of wars, family feuds, financial crises. Many things come into our lives, and we think it's all over. It's all shaken. But Jesus is untouchable touchable. He cannot be moved, and his ministry is absolutely certain. We're told that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Nothing shall interrupt his work. And of course, the big thing is that he will never die. He will never die. He is beyond death. That is the clear warning that is given. Now, contrast, in the Old Testament, the high priest who did not do his work died. The high priest who did not make the right appearance in God's presence with the right sacrifice, the right blood, died. Indeed, there is a myth in Judaism, and you can Google this and search it sometime, that there was a rope that was tied around the ankle of the high priest lest when he goes through that veal he is imperfect and dies, and that the people would have a way of retrieving him out from the Shekinah glory of God, pulling his body out with the rope from his ankle. But it's a myth. But it's a myth that got started out of the concern, what do we do if he dies behind the veal? It's always a concern in the people's mind in the Old Testament. But we don't have any such worries. Our Lord Jesus cannot die. He lives in the power of an endless life. And there are things that cannot touch our Lord Jesus in glory. Death, Satan, and sin. None of them can touch him right there. And so we have every confidence that what our Lord is doing as our high priest, appearing in God's presence, pleading for us as our advocate, is effectual, and therefore our prayers are never in vain. We pray in Jesus' name. We come in his authority. We plead his advocacy and glory, and we say, Lord, present my prayer to the Father, and we're always heard. You never get a callback message. You never get someone saying to you, he's too busy. He's not in today. I had a piece of software that I wanted to install on my laptop. Uh, It's the same program that we use in the computers here for the webcast and for the audio. And I wanted to load it onto my laptop. But because I updated to a Windows 10, wouldn't accept it. And so I decided to call the people. Uh, Adobe is the, the people. Uh, the program was, was firstly a company called Centrillium. Uh, when they first bought it, it was a program called Cool Edit. And then Adobe bought it out. And so there was an update to it, which we got and paid for. And I had the registration number and I thought all I needed to do was put that code in. I should be able to update it, but I can't. And on two occasions, I tried calling through and I waited online 30 minutes each time. What did I get? annoying music. That's all I got. And I waited and waited, could never get through, and I still haven't been able to reach them. When you read here of our Lord Jesus, and it tells us at the end of verse 25, he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's no disappointment here. There's no need for unbelief here. There's no need for doubt here. There's no need for saying there's no worth in praying. Let me say, Christian, when you plead the name of Jesus in prayer, your prayers are always heard. They're always heard. Now, the way in which he answers, we have to depend on God's wisdom and God's goodness, but we can be assured that our prayers are always heard. Will this help you to be a man or woman of prayer? Will this help you to go into the secret place and plead the name of the Lord Jesus? It's not an empty name. It's not just an historic name. It is the name of the one who now lives before God pleading for his people, and you can enter into the power of that as a prayer warrior for your family, for our church, for this country, for the great needs of this world we can plead the name of Jesus in prayer because he is untouchable. Next, we come to his sacrifice is unrepeatable to redeem us. We're moving here to verse 27, and I would call this the outstanding contrast, the outstanding contrast of all, because it says here in verse 27, who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the peoples. For this he, Jesus, did once when he offered into the presence of God. Can you think of the daily routine that the Levitical priests went through? Morning and evening sacrifices. The fire on the altar was kept burning 24-7. It should never go out. The morning sacrifice had to be brought, butchered, its blood retrieved, its skin taken off, and the pieces of the carcass laid on the grate, and the fire would go up, the fat would drip through, and the flame would rise, the reek of smoke to the heavens. God would accept that sacrifice in the morning. Do it again in the evening. Do it tomorrow. Do it every day. And for years and generations and centuries, from Moses to Christ, the Levitical routine went on. It was a big task. Nobody could even count the number of sacrifices that were made, the millions of sacrifices, the oceans of blood that were shed to appease the wrath of God, they went on and on until Jesus came, until Christ's sacrifice. We're told in Matthew 27, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the veil of the temple. Well, it's a different gospel, Mark 15. And the veil of the temple was rent in tween from top to bottom. Why? To demonstrate for all time that that way of worship ended. How? How? Because of the value of the sacrifice of Jesus. It was worth more than all the oceans of blood of Old Testament sacrificing. The life, the dignity, the person of Christ as the Son of God and the Son of Man in one person. Yes, as theologians would say, one drop of Jesus' blood was enough to pay the price of sin for a whole world of sinners. But not only one drop, one death. He must die. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, Jesus must die. And he offered up himself. Would you look at that in verse 27 again? At the end of verse 27, for this he did once when he offered up himself. Not a bull, not a calf, not a sheep, not a goat, not a pigeon, not a turtle dove. Him. Self, Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity, united in the human body from the womb of Mary, himself. On that cross, from his head, his hands, his feet, his side, flowed the blood of our Redeemer, a sacrifice worth more. Than all the sacrifices man could ever offer. And the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus, it is unrepeatable. It needs no addition. It needs no assistance, because his death is enough. No more blood is required. And Peter puts it that we are redeemed not by the things as silver and gold, but by the Precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. What is your hope in today for peace with God? What does the name Jesus, the man of Calvary, mean to you? Can you say that that is your hope? He is your trust for heaven, one sacrifice. Don't ever dare try to repeat it. Don't ever stoop to turning communion into some kind of a transformation into physical body and blood. That is but blasphemy because one sacrifice. The communion is not a sacrifice. It's a remembrance feast. It is a picture of grace can be worded in many ways, but it is not a sacrifice because there's one sacrifice only that is unrepeatable. Then our last one in verse 28, his nature is undefilable to perfect us and I take this from the final three words, who is consecrated for evermore. And if you have a margin in your Bible you'll see the word consecrated means perfected, perfected. He is undefilable. Now, notice in that verse, the first part of the verse says, the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. They're but men. They have sinful thoughts. They have in their flesh sinful passions. They have the capability of great sin and common sins and frequent sins. Sins of commission, sins of omission. They were men who were weak and frail and imperfect. But here is the Lamb of God who is perfect, who is consecrated forevermore. He's perfect forevermore. As we know, out of a filthy fountain, you cannot get clean water. And it's only out of the pure life, the pure Sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God, that you are going to get the purity, the cleansing that you need. This is the nature and the character of our Lord Jesus. And so today, get your eyes on Jesus Himself. He's sinless. He's perfect. The doctrine of Jesus' sinless nature is everywhere in the Scriptures. And He's our boast. He is our delight. Where will you find a perfect Savior? Where will you find one that can make you perfect before God, removing all of your sins and giving you all of his righteousness? Christ is the one. He's the one. We have a hymn, Man of Sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah what a Savior. That hymn was written by Philip Bliss. Philip Bliss was born in Pennsylvania in 1838. He went to Chicago. He went to as a musician to work for a Sunday school mission, and he composed many hymns. This is one of them. His life story ended when he was in a fatal accident of which he first escaped, but he died when he went back in to see of the life of his wife. What an amazing parallel to the one that we're trusting in today. Jesus gave his life for us. He let it all down. And we look to the one we sing about, man of sorrows, what a name, for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place. Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah is an international language word. You can use that word in any part of the world. And it's also the language of heaven. We'll sing our hallelujahs when we trust in Jesus. Will you join us? Will you be there? Are you saved today? Is Jesus, the man of sorrows, your Savior? Will you have him to wash you white as snow and make you right for heaven? You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalt of the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death, from opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands, or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide. Never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, the real question is, what is wrong with the human heart? This hit home to me recently after a late night hospital visit. a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This is will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life has ended. The attitude will be, Let us eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life giver and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your Creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come, which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further... The redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job one twenty one, And Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction of all who love the God of the Bible and follow the Lord's Word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia, that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors, and that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over sixty million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises— of making Germany great again. been there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, Then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We are on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view our to our online services at 10:30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on One Eighty Eight Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on the station as we Let the Bible Speak.